chapter number one of Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arthur Piantidosi. March 6th, 2010. Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. Chapter 1. Treats of the place where Oliver Twist was born and of the circumstances attending his birth. Among other public buildings in a certain town, which for many reasons it will be prudent to refrain from mentioning, and to which I will assign no fictitious name, there is one anciently common to most towns, great or small, to wit, a workhouse. And this workhouse is born on a date and date which I need not trouble myself to repeat, inasmuch as it can be of no possible consequence to the reader. In this stage of the business, to at all events, the item of mortality, whose name is prefixed to the head of this chapter. For a long time after it was ushered into this world of sorrow and trouble by the parish surgeon, it remained a matter of considerable doubt whether the child was survived to bear any name at all, in which case it is some but more improbable that these memoirs would never have appeared, or if they had, that being comprised within a couple of pages, they would have possessed the inestimable merit of being the most concise and faithful specimen of biography extant in the literature of any age or country. Though I am not disposed to maintain that the being born in a workhouse is in itself the most fortunate in enviable circumstances that can possibly befall a human being, I do mean to say that in this particular instance it was the best thing for Oliver Twist that could possibly have occurred. The fact is that there was considerable difficulty inducing Oliver to take upon himself the office of respiration, a troublesome practice, but one which custom has rendered necessary to our easy existence and for some time he lay gasping on a little flock mattress rather unequally poised between this world and the next the balance being decidedly in favour of the latter now if during this brief period orphan of heads been surrounded by careful grandmothers anxious aunts experienced nurses and doctors of profound wisdom it was most inevitably and indubitably have been killed in no time there being nobody by, however, but a pauper old woman, who was rendered rather misty by an unwanted allowance of beer, and for a surgeon who did such matters by contract, Oliver and nature fought out the point between them. The result was that, after a few struggles, Oliver breathed, sneezed, and proceeded to advertise to the inhabitants of the workhouse the fact of its new burden having been imposed upon the parish by setting up as loud a cry as but could reasonably have been expected from a male infant who had not been possessed of that very useful appendage a voice for a much longer space of time than three minutes and a quarter as oliver gave this first proof of the free and proper action of his lungs the punctual coverlet which was hastily flung over the iron bedstead rustled a pale face of a young woman was raised feebly from the pillow and a faint voice imperfectly articulated the words, Let me see the child and die. The surgeon had been sitting with his face torn towards a fire, giving the palms of his hands a warm and a rub. Alternatively, as the young woman spoke, he rose and, advancing to the bed's head, said with more kindness than might have been expected of him, Oh, you must not talk about dying yet. Lord bless her, dear heart, no! 
imposed the nurse, hastily depositing in a pocket a green glass bottle, the contents of which she had been tasting in a corner with evident satisfaction. Lord bless her dear heart, when she has lived as long as I have, sir, and had thirteen children of her own, and all of them dead except two, and then and then the work hoofs with me. She'll know better than to take on in that way. Bless her dear heart. Think what it is to be a mother. There's a dear young lamb. Do. Apparently, this consolatory perspective of the mother's prospects failing ill to produce its due effect. Patient shook her head and stretched out her hand to toward the child. The surgeon deposited it in her arms. She imprinted a cold where it lips passionately on its forehead. Passed her hands over her face, gazed wildly around. Shuddering, held, fell back and died. They chafed her breast hands and temples but the blood had stopped forever they talked of comfort and hope they had been trained as too long it's all over miss thingummy said the surgeon at last ah oh, oh, poor dear so it is said the nurse picking up the cork of the green bottle which had fallen out on the pillow as she stooped to take up the child poor dear you needn't mind sending up to me if the child cries nurse said the surgeon, putting on his gloves with great deliberation. It's very likely it will be troublesome. Give it a little gruel, if it is. He put on his hat, and pausing by the bedside on his way to the door, added, She was a good-looking girl, too. Where did she come from? She was brought here last night, replied the old woman, but the overseer's order. She was found lying on the street. She had walked some distance, for her shoes were worn to pieces. But where she came from, or where she was going to, nobody knows. The surgeon leaned over the body and raised the little hand. The old story, he said, shaking his head. No wedding ring, I see. Ah, good night. The medical gentleman walked away to dinner, and the nurse, having once more applied herself to the green bottle, sat her down on a low chair before the fire and proceeded to dress the infant. What an excellent example of the power of dress young Oliver Twist was. Wrapped in the blanket which had here too formed his only covering, he might have been the child of a horrible or a beggar, it would be hard, hard for the haughtiest stranger to have assigned him its proper place in society. But now that he was enveloped in the old calico rose, which grown yellow in the same service, he was badged and ticketed, and fell into his place at once, a perished child, the orphan of a workhouse, the humble half-starved drudge to be cuffed and buffeted through the world despised by all and pitied by none oliver cried lustily if he could have known that he was an orphan left at the tender mercies of church wardens and overseers perhaps he would have cried the louder end of chapter one of oliver twist recording by arthur pianta